Hey, murder lovers, my name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. All right, where are we at? I think it's still 2021. Yes. <laughs> yes, very yes. much so. Sorry, we recorded in advance, so I'm trying to think of when this is going to come out. This so. will come out. Christmas is in a few days. Ooh, this will yay. come out on the 20th. <laughs> so this will come out Monday the 20th. Christmas is this Saturday. It's when weird this when you say it like yeah. that. <laughs> when it posts, Christmas is this Saturday. So I've got a... Oh my gosh, Christmas is in two weeks and I haven't done any Christmas shopping. Neither have I. Wow, I just had a yeah. sudden realization. Yep. All right. So um, this has nothing to do with Christmas. It has nothing to do with the holidays. Okay. But I think it's a good story for you to listen maybe while you're out shopping. Okay. Cooking, cleaning for the in-laws to come in, getting your house ready. Okay? Okay. So, I'm going to start at a weird place, but hopefully it'll all make sense at the end. I think I, I do that with some of the episodes where hopefully I remember to go back and, like, make sense of what I'm saying. So I'm just a little stunned that you got the Christmas week episode and you didn't go Christmas themed. I didn't I didn't realize where they were going to fall. So that's hilarious. You know, it's not Christmas, but there's a lot of gifts. This thing keeps on giving. So we'll just go with that theme. Okay. This case just keeps on giving. So this is the story of Charlie Brand. I thought you were going to say this is the story of Charlie Charlie Brown. Brown. And I was like, we're there. Christmas themed, it happened. Even when I was researching it, as I was typing in Charlie Brandt at the BR of the last name, it started pre-populating Charlie Brown. And I was like, oh my gosh, I bet at one point I'm going to call him Charlie Brown. Yep. <laughs> so here I am. Yep. <laughs> here we are. I'm glad we're on the same page. So Charlie Brandt uh, was born in February 23rd, 1957. He was born to German immigrant parents. I believe... The mom's name is Ilsa Brandt, and dad's name was Herbert Brandt. Uh, for the most part, he was a good student. The family was living in Fort Ward, sorry, was living in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They had moved there in 1968 uh, with the family. The dad had a job that moved him around a little bit, and because they moved around a bit, when they landed in Indiana, Although he was a good student, he was a little bit of a recluse just because he didn't have that many friends or just because of they kept on moving. They couldn't build those relationships long term. I'm going to fast forward a lot to 2004 on the story and then I'm going to go back. Okay. So on September 2nd of 2004, him and his then wife, Terry, they had been married for 18 years at this point. They got married in 1986. They lived in Big Pine Key in Florida. Okay. So... Although the name says big, it's little, but it's big pine key. And just like Florida does, it has a lot of hurricanes um, if you live on the lower peninsula part, whatever. Mm -hmm. And on September 2nd of 2004, it was all over the news that you should prepare your houses, prepare for evacuation if you lived in this area for Hurricane Ivan. Okay. So for Hurricane Ivan... Because at this point, Charlie was a good, great, some might say, engineer, he had boarded up his house to a T. Like, he had boarded every single window, every single door, even with uh, doorknob holes on each door. So it was very precise to his house. He had prepared his house for the hurricane and for the winds and all that. Because the evacuation order was still in place, him and his wife, Terry took off to her niece's house in Orlando. She offered that they could stay with them. Mm -hmm. They often hung out or they often spend time together. And so going out to Michelle's was almost like a mini vacation from their evacuation for Hurricane Ivan. Now, so they went over to Michelle's house in Orlando. She opened up the, she opened their home for them. She was an executive for the Golf Channel, so she did really well for herself. No. You know, she um, was more than willing to open their home, her home up to them. She had no uh, partner, family, kids, etc. So she definitely had more room than than was necessary. That's no a wine. I'm speaking fast. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. kicked in. It's kicked in. Yeah, I'm a little warm. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Are you sure it's not the space heater? It's not even on me. <laughs> no. It's the wine. Your wine warm. Yep. Um, okay. So, although they didn't need to stay there as long as they did, because they spent 
they enjoy spending time with Michelle, they drug out their little mini vacation a little bit longer. So on September 13th, they were still there. And one of Michelle's good friends, Lisa, was supposed to be coming over on the 13th to not only spend time with Michelle, but to also see Aunt Terry and Uncle Charlie. Now, on that evening, Michelle called Lisa and said, hey, Aunt Terry and <laughs> Uncle Charlie had a little bit too much to drink. They got in a little fight. The mood, the vibes are just all off. It's a little tense here. It's probably better if you don't come over tonight. So she didn't come over. Uh-huh. Not a big deal. Now, Michelle and her mom talked almost on a daily basis. And on the 13th was the last day that Michelle's mom had ever heard from, had last heard from her. Now, on September 15th, Michelle's mom was really worried because now it's been almost two days that she hasn't heard from her daughter. And now she hasn't been able to get a hold of her sister, Terry, either, that she knows is staying with her daughter. Mm -hmm. So she knows that something is up. So then Michelle's mom asks one of Michelle's friends, Debbie, Debbie Knight, to go over on the night of September 15th just to check everything out since she's a little bit closer. Debbie is one of Michelle's best friends. They're such good friends that they have each other's house keys. So if you have a best friend, if you have a really good friend, someone that you can count on, I totally recommend this Um, just for security reasons. Or if you live alone, just have a spare key, you know, whatever. So Debbie... Or like have a code on your door that you know the... (laughs) You know the code to. Right. So... Debbie goes over. She's on the phone with Michelle's mom at the time that she's going over to Michelle's house. And she tries her key to the front door. For some reason, some call it divine intervention, she's not able to open that front door. She walks around the house and the garage has some glass panels on it. Mm -hmm. And what she sees is truly frightening. Charlie is hanging from one of the rafters in the garage. Oh my gosh. By a bed sheet. No. Oh my God. So she immediately calls 911. The police come over and the detectives use Debbie's, the same key that she just tried, to open the front door. No problem. So they were able to go right into the front living room and they see Michelle slumped over on the couch and she's been stabbed she's been stabbed seven times oh my gosh i wasn't prepared for charlie brown to be dead terry terry's on the couch stabbed seven times so michelle was the cousin or the niece the niece yes so they go a little bit further into the house and michelle is in her bedroom she's also deceased i have to tell you the details because it's in the details that makes this whole story. Okay? Okay. So they're gruesome. Hang, hang on to your dits because it's it's graphic. Okay. I wore a bra today, so I sh- should be okay. They're, they're, they're on there. They're okay. in there. So Michelle is decapitated. Her head is facing the rest of her body. Oh, no. Sitting next to her. No, 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 no. She has been disemboweled. No. Her breasts have been cut off Mm -mm. and her left leg has been cut off. Oh. All of her underwear and bras are laying across the room scattered, cut into pieces. So Michelle is the target here. So Michelle was, got it off worse than anyone. Yeah. Seems like she's the, the source of this. Yes. So because of the scene, right off the bat, the detectives are like, holy shit, right? This how is... did how did Terry die exactly? Terry was seven stab wounds. Seven She's stab... laying okay. on the couch in okay. the living room. Okay. And then so they see these com- three different methods of yeah. death. They see a stab wound. Death by death. stabbing. <laughs> death by stabbing. They see him hanging from the rafters in the garage with and no apparent... With no apparent, um, like, injuries at all. Okay. His blo- his clothes is not bloody whatsoever, so there's no apparent injuries. And there is Michelle in the bedroom that is, like, holy shit, just... Completely dismembered. Right. Yeah. And it's not even, 
rough chops or anything. It is done with precision. It is done with accuracy. So <sighs> right off the bat, the detectives are like, something's off, right? Right, yep. So, of course, they notify the family. They try to figure out what is happening. Uh, very quickly to put together, obviously, the person that is, you know, that's dead by suicide is probably the perpetrator of the other two. The stabbing and the dismemberment. So did he actually die by suicide? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, so he that's actually not what died I was, by suicide. That's not what I was expecting. Yeah. So he, so they quickly realized that Charlie was the perpetrator in all of this. His clothes that had been used during the killings of Michelle and Terry, which was all full of blood and everything, was in the house and he had a complete change of clothes for when he was in the garage. Oh, man, I really thought that Charlie was a victim in all of this. Yeah. I was like, not Charlie Brown. Not Charlie. Well, it is. <laughs> so right off the bat, they try to figure out exactly what brought this. Was it just a, an out-of-the-blue thing? Was it an obsession? Was it a passionate thing? Did someone snap? Why did Why right. would he have done this? And, of course, they're, you know, notifying the family. They're interviewing the family. And they finally come to interview Angie, Charlie's older sister. Okay. She's older to him by two years. Okay. So Angie blows this wide open because the detectives, without her help, would have had no idea. So she tells them... Before she even, before they could even ask a question, you know about his past, right? Oh. And they're like, no. Tell me everything. Right. Yeah. Well, she goes, yeah, you probably don't know because the records were sealed. Which means he was a minor. He was a minor. So she begins to tell him a crazy ass story from when they were kids. Oh my gosh. So back in 1971 on January 3rd. The family had just come back from Florida because they were in Indiana at the time. Yeah. That's where they usually took all their Christmas family vacations. And because, like I'd said, when he was a child and when they had moved to Indiana, he was a little bit of a loner. He was a little bit of a recluse just because he didn't have that many friends. His dad thought um, it would be nice to take him on a boys only trip. He was the only boy of four kids. He was the second oldest. Mm -hmm. It was him. Oh, sorry, it was Angie, who was 15 when this happened. He was 13. There were two younger siblings who were two and three, I believe. And the mom was currently pregnant at eight months. Okay. So the dad w thought it would be cool to take him on a boys-only hunting trip. So they went out hunting, and they took his little beagle dog. And I don't know if they caught anything that day, but... As they were hunting, the beagle went out into the wooded area and mm -hmm. wouldn't come back, even though he was repeatedly called. And the dad shot what he thought was a warning shot into the woods, mm -hmm. but accidentally shot the beagle. No, not the beagle. Yeah. So he was 13 years old when this happened, right around Christmas time. So a lot of people say that might have been the seed the of all this for a 13 year old because that was kind of his only friend the dog but we'll we'll, we'll circle back i promise i mean did you see the thing i posted about the dog the other yes. day everybody went freaking nuts yeah. about that so if you follow us on instagram i posted a story of a police officer's dog that was beheaded i think mm -hmm. in oklahoma mm -hmm. if i'm remembering right I've never had so many DMs. Everybody was all up in arms about it. Yeah. I feel yeah, But, like, people have very strong feelings about their dogs, and I get that. Yep. I get that. Mm -hmm. If somebody did that to Navy... Their family members. Heads would roll. So, on this terrible day, January 3rd, it was a normal day for everyone else. Or, you know, vacation or Christmas is over and whatnot. Dad had just gone home from work. The little girls had been put to bed. Angie was in her room reading a book. Mom was in the bathtub. She was just soaking. She's eight months pregnant. And dad was in the same bathroom shaving. Out of nowhere, Charlie grabs a gun. Oh, my gosh. And then the dad is shaving. He hears some footsteps. And he sees Charlie holding a gun. All that Angie hears down the hall is, Charlie, don't. Stop. 
and the dad is shot. Oh my gosh. He's shot three times. Then he walks over to his mom. Oh my gosh. But the mom didn't even do anything. And shoots her five times. You can't even blame the dog scenario for this, though, because the mom didn't kill the dog. And then all that Angie heard was the her last words from her mom were, Angie, call 911. This so, has now been two stories you've told where the mom yells, call 911, because one of the kids is on a rampage. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Two in a row. The, that's crazy. That's right. I didn't even think about that. The one with the broken arrow killings. Yep. That's the mom's like, call 911, because yep. the boys are, yeah. So, uh, and again, this is pre-cell phone times. I don't know yeah. about their house phone situation, but she obviously didn't see that as an option. So Angie hears this down the hall. Mm-hmm. There's eight shots now that have rang out in her house. Oh, my gosh. And so she runs downstairs. But by this time, Charlie's caught up to her. And so she's telling the cops now this all in, you know, retrospective. Yeah. This is what happened to me. Right. She ran after me. And he pushed her down. They started to have a scuffle. He actually pointed the gun at her and pulled a trigger, but he was out of bullets. Oh. So she heard the click. Oh, my gosh. And then poor Angie, all she could tell Charlie was, like, Charlie, don't. Like, I love you. It's 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 okay. I love you. Like, don't. Please don't do this. Yeah. And then she said that. There was this moment where he came out of what seemed like a trance, that his eyes were completely glossed over, and that as she was telling him, like, hey, I love you, please don't do this, please don't do this, he snapped out of it, and it was like he was back to normal. So at that point is when she saw this opportunity of like, hey, what happened? He's like, I shot mom and dad. And she's like, and he's like, what am I going to do? Oh, my God, I don't know what I did. And she's like, it's okay, let's let's get in the car, let's run away together, let's get the girls, let's go away together. And so they're downstairs, and she's like, I'm going to go get the car. And she's like, quick thinking, Angie was like, go get blankets for the girls because it's cold outside. Yeah. She's like, go get blankets for the girls. And he starts to go up the stairs, but backwards, as his stare is still on Angie. And he's asking her, you're not going to leave me, right? You're not going to leave me, right? And she's like, no, 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 Charlie, I won't leave you. I promise. And as soon as she gets, he gets to the top of the stairs, she bolts the fuck out of the house. And leaves all the girls? She had to at this point. Yeah, I guess so. So she runs to a neighbor's house. And she's not. You know how I know you've been drinking? Because I'm pointing. No, because you said she runs to a neighbor's house. I know, I know I'm drunk. No. She rants to a neighbor's house. She rants. Um, so she ran in. Okay, sorry. Okay, so she r- runs to a neighbor's house. <laughs> and she knocks on the door like there's no tomorrow, which I think anyone would. Yeah. And, you know, she's not obviously not thinking so clearly right now. So she kind of just like knocks and keeps going even like didn't give a chance like for a someone to kind of yeah and then so she's running to the second neighbor's house she does the same thing she gets to the third one by the time she gets to the third neighbor's house the first door is answering the door and when the first person the first house opens the door charlie is there oh no and he just says i shot my parents so, of course, then they call 911. He's yeah. not holding a weapon at this point. He, like, Angie They're like, said, all right, you go wait on the sidewalk right. now. <laughs> Close that door right there. <laughs> okay, Charlie, thank you. Yeah. That's all right, Charlie oh Brown. You go, you go play with Linus and we'll go call so the police. <laughs> they call the police. The police show up and the dad survives. Oh, thank God. The dad survives. The mom is DOA, unfortunately. And she was pregnant at this time, right? she was pregnant. Yeah, she, okay. I mean, I would say eight months is pretty term. Like It is that's, term. That's, yeah, it, yeah. That's viable. You're, that's another... Yeah. That's another death on his count. Like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's not counted as one. Of course As everything not. else. But I, I would like to officially add it to the tally. Because yeah. that's a baby. That's a full-blown baby. So... The dad survives. He, of course, has injuries. He's still in a wheelchair, etc. 
Um, he's taken into custody. He's 13 years old. The DA is trying to figure out what to do with this kid because at the time, Indiana did not have any, or I guess their laws at the time did not allow them to charge someone so young with murder or as an adult. Right. He was not charged with that. And the dad of all people was his biggest advocate in all of this. His parents, and dude. of course, the state did what they had to do, and they had like three psychologists come in and try to figure out, hey, like there's got to be something wrong with this right. kid. Yeah. And now that you mentioned the broken arrow killings, it's the same thing where it's like they really couldn't find anything with yeah. him to diagnose him with. But the sister said he went into like he was obviously like in a trance-like state. Yeah. But they couldn't diagnose him at least medically with anything like. But this is, what, it, is this the 60s, the 70s? 70s. Yeah, so right. we still have a ways to go. At this point, if, like, their, right. their default was bipolar. Right. So at this point, the best they could do is come up with the reasoning of the dog being accidentally killed, and then he snapped. But this would have been days later. And... You think if a kid's going to act out... Why would you kill your whole gonna, family? Right. I don't know why the mom was on that list. Yeah. And he almost tried to kill Angie, too. Right. That's what I mean. So, he was hunting his family. Right. I'm confused. Right. We all are. So, Angie's telling them this. It's right. blowing their mind because they're like, okay, great. It gives us some insight, obviously, that this person may not have been well. But still, we have no reasoning for this 2004 killing And it's the manner of death is completely different than shooting. Because how do you go from shooting to dismemberment, right? Right. So two completely different things. Now, because he's 13 years old, they put him into a psychiatric hospital. He's there for about a year, with the exception that at the beginning of that year, they do allow him, they allow him a release to go to his mother's funeral, on his dad's petition. I don't understand. I I don't think anyone understood. I would not be... Go- I would be like... Can you, you imagine if the rest you have of the family? him there? Yeah, and he's the reason for all of this? Right. I will not be attending. And the dad's in a wheelchair on this for this, too. Oh, my God. And These parents, dude. This is like that... The case that I just covered with the woman that got beaten with the axe or whatever. Yeah. She shows up in court with the guy. Yeah. Standing up for him. I don't get it. So he spends a year at the psychiatric hospital. They're trying to do all these tests. They're trying to diagnose him. There is no diagnosis for this guy. They're just saying, oh, he might have just kind of just had a bad day kind of day kind of thing, yeah. you know? <laughs> Snap for no reason type of thing. Like, oh, he's just being a teenager. And it's a pretty extreme mood thing. He only spends a year in the psychiatric hospital because his dad petitioned to get, petitions to get him out. Oh, dad. You are he not might have spent a little favors. bit longer, but it was at his dad's begging that they actually released him back to him. So after he was released, the father thought they would start over and they moved to Florida. He moved him, Angie, (laughs) Charlie, and the two younger girls to Florida. Now the two babies grew up thinking that their mom and the baby that she was pregnant with died in a car accident. They were never They were never told told that their brother. Right. That their brother killed their mom and shot the dad. My gosh. Yeah. <sighs> so, so I'm guessing th- if they didn't even tell the siblings that they didn't tell this woman that unfortunately married this guy. We'll get there. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's part of it, right? Because you yeah. want to know, did she know? So while they're in Florida, starting anew, the dad finds a new wife and they get remarried and he thinks it's best for his family to move back to Indiana. At this age, both Charlie and Angie are high school age, so they're staying behind in Florida. His parents come over from Germany, and now they're the guardians for them while in Florida, and they're finishing up high school. What? I think the dad was just like, leave you down there. <laughs> yeah, the dad literally said, see ya. Yeah. Like, you're somebody but else's he problem also now. the oldest daughter, Angie, there as well. Maybe she was causing ruckus, too. <laughs> I don't know. He was so, like, listen, this one's being a typical teenager and I can't handle her anymore. Right. This one is a murderer and I just don't want out. <laughs> I just don't want him. Like, 
So, I just can't, like, this was all you're doing. Like, you're the one that insisted he be released. You're the one that decided to go down there. You're the yeah. one that's tried to act like this is going to be a fresh start. Like, you don't now, at the very end, get to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I'm after done. After he was released, and after, you know, they moved to Florida, and, and they started living their life there as teenagers or young adults and whatnot, everyone thought Charlie was a saint. Like, Charlie can do no wrong. He's a good kid, good student. He ended up, after high school, you know, going to college and um, becoming an engineer. And that's what he was, you know, in 2004. He was, you know, an enge- a very successful engineer at that. And Angie said that, you know, as they grew older and they lived different places and whatnot, if they were ever to be in the same house again... She would never turn the AC on and she would always lock her bedroom door because she would still never fully trust him. Why the AC? Because it just makes noise. She just wanted to be quiet. So if someone was approaching her room, she could hear them. Right. So she was petrified of of Charlie, even though everyone saw him as a reformed person from this child killer uh, to... You know, this adult that was doing well in society and whatnot. She was like, I still have an inkling yeah, that there's something wrong with him. me dead if I'll right. be living with my brother after he offs my family. Yeah. So Angie, you know, later on as a young adult goes and, and meets Jim. They get married. Or sorry, before they even before they even get married, Angie, of course, has to tell him like, hey, if we're going to be family, if we're going to get married, I have to tell you this deep, dark family secret of my brother and why okay. I don't have a mom. So she tells Jim the whole story about what happened in 1971. Yeah. Was it 71? Yes. It was in 1971. <laughs> and he's like, cool. That's fun. It wasn't you. Glad you're okay. Obviously. Like, is that why he's kind of weird? Like, he doesn't have that many friends. And she's like, maybe that's why he's so lonely. So Jim thought he was being a good husband and a good brother-in-law and, like, befriended Charlie. Oh, no, Jim. So no, they no, no, became, no. like, bros. No, that's where you literally pack up your stuff and they leave. They became and you move. bros. Oh, no. And they were at the age where they were going to attend college. They were even college roommates. Or accomplices? No. Just college roommates. Oh, okay. So they it was like he's in on it. No. So Ew, what the hell? And then eventually Angie and Jim divorced and Angie cited that divorce as a result of getting married too young. Yeah. So they dissipated their marriage. Right. Yeah. But Jim and Charlie still were like deep romance. Freaking weirdo. They would go fishing together, fishing and drinking together. They would so go he, took, he went to isolated areas with this man? Yeah. And at one point, even though after Jill and Angie had divorced, one of these fishing trips, Jim and Charlie were both drunk or drinking, and Jim was expressing that he was upset about the divorce, that he, you know, kind of want to get it back at her for some, you know, somehow for, you know, yeah. divorcing him. And Charlie was like, him talking her. about his sister said, you know, what's a good way to get back at somebody? He's like, I done it. Kill him and rip their heart out. And Jim was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Thought nothing of it. Gosh. Thought nothing of it. Such a f- Even though he knew his history, not necessarily of dismembering anything, because that's not what he knew of him. Right. But the whole, like, shooting your parents and... Whole like, killing them thing? Killing them thing. Revenge killing? Yeah. So, he just thought it was just oh. a drunken comment. Like, didn't think much of it. Didn't tell anyone. You're an idiot, sir. We only know this story from Jim post-2004. So I'm going to interview or I'm going to introduce Jim to Anna Duggar and be like, you two can be the most clueless people on the planet together. Oh my God. Match made in heaven. (laughs) Except she'd be like, no, I'm loyal to my husband who's in prison (laughs) for the next 40 years. So even after all this, Jim still continued their friendship. They both had this, like, they still were best buddies to the point where 
Jim introduced him to Terry. No. To Teresa. No. So when he saw that Charlie and Terry were, the sparks were flying and they were, you know, getting closer and closer with each other, he took Charlie aside and was like, hey, it's none of my business, but, like, have you told her about your history? You should tell her about your history, about, like, you know, the thing that happened. He's like, now it matters. Like, you know, that one thing. And Charlie's like, oh, yeah, no, I'll t- I'll tell her. Don't worry. Thank you. I'll tell her. Not a big deal. I agree. I should be honest. <laughs> no right? big deal. Just murder. Verbatim, obviously, this conversation. NBD. So, as far as Jim says now, he says that he thinks Terry was completely aware of, of the situation. Of course he thinks that, because he's absolutely clueless. Because of one or two situations where she might have mentioned something, but they never really talked about it. He said him and and Charlie actually never talked about it. Charlie just knew that Jim knew kind of thing because of Angie. There's so many names. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm following all the names. I'm just kind of like an utter belief, disbelief that this man is so dumb. Yeah. So... He's like, no, she, she definitely knew, even though, like, we never talked about it and she never talked about it. And I have no reason to think that she actually knows. I'm sure that she knows. Well, here's why he thinks she knew. Because in 1989, after they had been married for, I believe, a couple of years, there was a woman, a hundred, sorry, less than 1,000 feet from their Florida home that went missing. And on the day she was found, her name was Sherry Parisho. She lived in a dinghy in a small little boat. And it's normal in Florida to have, Mm -hmm. like, houseboats. But she lived in a little boat. And she was found by fishermen that actually fished her out of the water. Her head had almost been completely severed. And her heart had been cut out. Mm. And that same day... That they found her and it was all bloody. She, Terry, found Charlie in their gutting room. Because in Florida it's normal to have like a gut fishing, like fish gutting room when you go fishing a lot and whatnot. Yeah. I've been to a lot of houses in Florida. I ain't never seen one of those. Uh, maybe for, I don't know. But they maybe said it was Maybe it's normal. more of a thing on the bay. Maybe. Yeah. So she found him in there. Yeah. Completely covered in blood. Yeah. But no, no fish. fish. So she told Jim this because that's their and mutual Terry was friend. Like, All right, just like turned around and so, walked out of the room. Or? Yeah. So Terry was like weird, and then she went and told Jim about it, and Jim was like, "Oh no, that's no, he probably did go fishing," and left it at that too. Even though this woman had just been found a thousand feet from their home, obviously at this point, she had no inclination that maybe he had done other things, but. Now, knowing what we know, with the precision that stuff yeah. was done to Michelle. And the fact that he had said, you kill her and cut her heart out, and then this right. woman was killed and her heart was cut out. Yeah. Did this woman break his heart? No. So, other weird things were that Terry held a, uh, had a journal. But he seems very, like... Sorry. He seems super revenge-driven. Oh, Charlie? Charlie seems mm-hmm. very revenge-driven. So, like, the randomness of it doesn't quite make sense to me. I think they're random. Really? hmm Okay. I mean, there might be something more to it, but for the most part, it seems random. Okay. Although, not... <sighs> random as far as the victim, but not random in what he does. Got it. Okay. Other things that were weird were that in their marital room yeah they had an anatomy poster behind their door mm-hmm. which is a full front and back view of a woman's skeletal and vascular system yeah but it's a weird poster and i'll show you the picture of it here in a bit it's of and obviously anatomically correct but it has like a woman's um hair up in a bun Mm-hmm. So it's just weird that neither of them are medical background. Neither of them are. It's a random and decor it's item. Random type thing. I don't think I took a picture of it, but so that's that. It's kind of weird. Um, 
she also kept a journal where she would write little notes here and there like, oh, I'm picking up chicken for dinner tonight or Charlie was being a little weird tonight or he went out fishing later than he usually does today or he's out working a little bit longer than he is today. It was just weird little notes Yeah, that never really made sense. They weren't like full entries like, oh, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. They were just more like observations. Yeah. It's it's odd. It's odd. But like she was trying to keep track of something for a reason. Something. But for the outside world, everyone thought they had this like impenetrable, loving relationship that was like completely flawless. It is nauseating how in love they were to the point where I mean, you'll hear this over and over in podcasts and videos and whatnot. One of the things that's mostly talked about is that they made each other's lunches. And that's because food didn't taste as, or tasted better when someone else that loves you made it for you. That's not true. So. I'm here to tell you it's not true. It tastes exactly the same. <laughs> Unless they're like a really outstanding cook. But So they just loved each other. They, I guess to the outside world, they loved each other Yikes. to that point. So. Good for them, I so guess. So Jim thinks that, that their, you know, their whole 18 years of marriage, that Terry's aware of Charlie's background, okay. history, okay. and whatnot. But because of what we know now, or the detectives knew then, because of Angie telling them about what happened in 1971, and them connecting all the dots, they open and open up investigations or 26 other possible murders. <gasps> oh my god. So many. No. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. So many. So a lot of them are cold cases. A lot of them are like cold, cold cases. Right. Um, and that's because a lot of them are either homeless women or they're... Sex workers. Sex workers. And... They don't have that much of a case to go off of, right? Yeah. So, of the 26 that it's rumored that they've possibly linked them to or that the MO matches, there has been two for sure that they've matched to him. One of them being the Sherry Paris show from 89, the one that was less than a thousand feet from his home. Oh my God, so it really was him. Yes. Yeah. And then they like link him with DNA or like they didn't link him with DNA, but there was a sketch made the day that they found her body from someone seeing leaving the scene of the crime and it matched him to a T. Yeah. And I mean, proximity is only a thousand feet away. The dismemberment as far as the heart being cut out, very precise, same cuts that he made with Michelle. Oh, okay. So, so the, the crime MO, scenes match. Yeah, the MO is ridiculously similar. Also, her head was almost decapitated. So th- had he been successful, it would have been completely decapitated. And so it would have been exactly it for the, the same. next one. Right. Or the later ones. Oh, my gosh. So as far as the 26, it's possible that the earliest one after him being re- released from the psychiatric hospital, he would have been 15 for to like a year later so a year later after being in florida and he traveled a lot for work and in 1995 there was another murder of darlene toller who was a sex worker her head was removed and they found her wrapped up in a blanket and then a tarp and then put on the side of a road this is terrible in dade county and they um, they linked her not only because of her method of death, but also because there was dog hairs in the tarp that matched dog hairs in the trunk of his car. Oh dog hair gosh. is incredibly, incredibly expensive, apparently, to do a DNA test for. Interesting. So they just matched the types of follicles and closed that case. Got it. Okay. Based on the MO, proximity. Yeah. And because he was a trucker and he held really good records of, like, comings and goings, gas, sleeping, etc., 
there was an extra 100 mile round trip that would have put him exactly where Darlene disappeared from. Well, and if they were probably if they were trying to like convict him, they would have paid the whole amount to actually have it. He was the season. Yeah. Right. So there's two other ones that have been really um, narrowed down to him. But there has the case is still technically open. They yeah. haven't closed it. So in 1978, Carol Sullivan, who was 12 years old, he would have been 18, 19 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she was last seen at a school bus stop in Volusia County, and her head was found in a bucket. He also lived in Volusia County. Again, they haven't closed this case and said it was Charlie. But just the M.O., his proximity, it the precision of the cuts, it matches, but they haven't concluded that it was him. And there's another murder in 1988 for Lisa Saunders, who was 20. She was found on the side of the road. Uh, she was decapitated. And the only reason that they found her was because actual vultures alerted the police to a body being on the ground. Ew. And her heart was extracted but at the time, the detectives thought that the heart was extracted by the vultures. So they didn't see this as part of the MO. Oh. So now they believe that because she was decapitated and her heart was extracted, that it possibly was him. But because it was also the heart was mutilated furthermore by the vultures, they can't link them definitively. definitively. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's wild. So... Yeah. So, wait, I'm sorry. So, just like in a fit of rage, he attacked Michelle and Terry and just offed himself? Because he knew he was going to get caught at that point? There's no notes. There was no inclination that he would have gotten caught for anything else if he had not left this world with a body so close with his M.O. Right, because, like, if he hadn't killed them... Mm -hmm. How he killed them. Right. If he would have just shot them both and hung himself, that would have been, like, shitty situation. Yeah, he literally exposed his whole... We don't know it, but he's dead, case closed. But because he did what he did to Michelle... But, like, why? That's the part we that I'm so confused by. don't know why. By. The only thing and the best theory that fits all of this is that he had co-workers who, and again, I said him, Terry, and Michelle, um, because they were not close in age, but she was an adult. They did, you know, spend a lot of time together, and they went down to her house often. He would refer to Michelle as Victoria's Secret. To his co-workers. He wouldn't call her by name. Why? I think he was infatuated with her. That's weird. He also had subscriptions to Victoria's Secret. I think out of context, that can be weird. But, I mean... Uh, I mean, Guys other do pe- that kind of thing. Guys do that, you know? They... My brother used to get thrilled when the Victoria's Secret magazine <laughs> would show up at our house. But... Obviously, in this context, it turns into a little bit weirder. Because he called his niece Victoria's Secret... And all of the undergarments that she had cut around the room when she passed were all Victoria's Secret brand. So, I don't know. There's no proof. Maybe he bought her stuff from this catalog. Or maybe he was just infatuated with her. Um, Although this this happened in 2004, so internet was a thing. Um, But in his internet searches, what they found were female autopsy videos... And snuff films. It sounds like... So maybe there was an advance that happened that night that wasn't... So remember when I was uh, telling the Richard Speck story and I talked about the Madonna horror complex Mm -hmm. where you, like, men in particular view women in two different ways? Mm -hmm. It sounds like his wife falls into that category of the Madonna, if you will. Like, the the pure one. Because she got out relatively... (coughs) Like, he stabbed her, but it obviously, like, that was not, he did not kill her in the same way he killed all of his other victims. Right. And Michelle falls into the quote-unquote whore and falls victim like the rest. Right. Very interesting. Isn't that weird? 
Yeah. So it's it's weird because there's a lot of arguments. Um, I guess as far as nature versus nurture goes, I think this may fall more versus like it definitely makes a case for nature than nurture. That maybe someone is just evil and born evil and. I don't believe that. I don't believe people are born evil. I can't believe that. Yeah. I just can't. I think it's possible. I think I think anything is possible, but yeah. I I have to believe that there is Definitely doesn't make a case for reform though. No. No. I'm not no. one that's inclined to think once that kind of stuff has been introduced that it just goes away. Yeah. But So 13-year-old, 13 is a solid age to go killing people. Yeah. I do think people can be born with predispositions towards certain things. Sure. And then something triggers it and it full, yeah. full blown turns into something. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's an that. interesting case. Yeah. You know, he went from 13 to, I guess, from 1973 to 2004, living what seemed like a beautiful, perfect life with his wife of 18 years and going to college mm-hmm. and building a career and being a standing member of, the, you know, his community and all of this. And just to find out he did have a past, he had been doing all these things, possibly more than has actually been pinned on him. It's really weird. Yeah. And for it to end like it did, it's really weird. I think... It got too close when it he decided he needed to do that to Michelle. And that's when he's like, I'm too close to it. And I don't know if it was remorse or that he killed himself. Or... I don't think it was remorse. I think he knew he was going to get caught. Right. Because who else did it? Who else would have done it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knew he was there. Or somebody yeah. knew he was there. So and... there's uh there's this Dr. Phil episode of Angie, Michelle's family, Terry's family, all pointing the finger to Jim. Saying she Terry could not have known. Had she known, she would have never even married this guy. How did you not tell her? Why didn't you tell her? And it's this weird question of, like, whose responsibility is it to tell someone something That's like that? That's not fair. I know. Because Angie could have told her. Angie could have told her. That's not fair to say Jim should have. Or not even just should have, but, like, ugh, it's so weird. Because like, a lot of people failed that situation. Who, why, who's, who, who, hmm, right? <laughs> <laughs> whose responsibility does it fall on? Is it anyone's responsibility to tell someone if you had a friend who, yes, you know? If that was my, if that was my brother and... If that was your brother, yes. If that was my brother, yeah. 100%. I would 100% tell my sister-in-law or yeah. my brother's, my other brother's current girlfriend. I would 100% tell them. I'd be like, hey, by the way, they told you, right? He told, he told you about the... Him. You Googled him, yeah, right? The little... Right? Bing, bing. The yeah. little pew, pew yeah. moment. Like, he told you about that, right? It's Just, it's a weird position, though. I think I'd like to think, yeah, I'd, I would probably say something, but I don't know. It's weird. She needs to find out somehow, and however that is arranged, <laughs> as long as she knows. But, like, I, I think Jim did something, which is better than nothing, which is like, hey, you're going to tell her, right? And then, based on the conversations that he had with... Terry, he thought that she did know and that she had seen past it, I guess, and was willing to be with him. So, I mean, maybe at some point he had a responsibility or could have asked, hey, he told you, right? But the thing is, is like, yeah, because Terry came to him and said, there's this whole thing that happened in this fish room, right? This gutting room. That maybe she would have thought twice That was if she your opportunity, know. Jim. That was your opportunity to be like, well, you know what happened when he was a kid, right? Like, he told you about that, right? But being Jim, he probably thought she's only bringing this up because of what happened with him as a kid. Yeah. Well, Jim should have checked. Jim yeah. should have checked. And been he like, should have double checked. Yeah. He should have, like, come back around to that and like, hey, he told you, right? Like, something. Just check back in. But... 
Tell us what you do in that position, because it's. I, I think it's a... We oh. have a social responsibility to save lives. <laughs> I do. Like, I think that disclosure is still important. Right. That's up to her to decide. But without all of the information, I don't think that that's fair to put somebody in that position. If people have to disclose whether or not they have an STD, you definitely have to disclose whether or not do you, you have murdered. To disclose yes. An STD? Yes, you do. Do people though? No. Probably not. But okay. you are legally required to disclose that information before you get involved with somebody. If you have to disclose that, you absolutely have to disclose whether or not you've murdered your family. I didn't know that. Been out of the game for a while. So. <laughs> well, Lottie Daw for you and your marriage, okay? <laughs> We're all so happy for you. <laughs> Some of us are still out here. <laughs> you should just wear a sign that says, not a murderer, no STDs. Thank you. Welcome. Applications. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Full disclosure required for any of the above items. Not a murderer. Applications. Welcome. All right. On that note, tell us what you would do. The only acceptable you answer no, is no, no, that no. you would tell no, them. No, I guess my question to be... It's just not to open it to everything would be if you were Jim, what would you have done? Because he Fine. thought Terry would knew. There's only one acceptable answer. <laughs> Find my Instagram and tell me. Don't tell Mackenzie. She takes care of the podcast one. <laughs> Come tell me. We're all in this together, ladies. Okay, so I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. One story from child killer to possible 26 plus. We need it. I'm, uh, I'm going to go in and double check with your wife that you've disclosed what you need to disclose. Because <laughs> apparently you're over there advocating for secrets. If I haven't, then how would she know if I've disclosed it or not? True. That's true. Okay. I think that's it. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.